Welcome to the Advanced Foundations Podcast, where you will hear life-changing truths from Terry Moore, founding pastor of Sojourn Church. Over 30 years, he has developed a series of courses to help people be disciples of Christ who make a difference. We hope you will subscribe below to receive weekly messages. Cross is the Key is a six-part series of messages that are about 25 minutes in length to help the listener get a deeper understanding of everything Jesus paid for through his death, burial, and resurrection to his heavenly throne. Welcome to Cross is the Key. This is session three, and I want to just go over a little bit about where we've been. We've been talking about the cross. It says in 1 Corinthians 1, the power of God. And what I've said is that the cross is the key, the key to abundant life. It's the key to understanding all that Jesus has done for us. The understanding of the cross, and the first thing we really talked about in session one was how much God loves you and me, and the cross represents that love. Uh, The last session we talked about the stages that we go through, hopefully go through, that we are number one, children of God, Then we grow into young man stage and then father stage. And again, we're not talking about gender. We're talking about a maturity level of growing. And so all of it was for us. Jesus did everything. He paid with his life so that we could have life. And he he gave us everything. We we lack nothing. So what I want to do in this session, I want to talk about the exchange of the cross. Because here's what the, the cross looked like the greatest defeat there ever was. Here's, they were expecting Jesus. They think, well, are you the Messiah or do we look for another? And they, they're believing that he is. Then he goes to the cross, he dies. They take him off the cross, they bury him. It's like, you gotta be kidding me. So what looked like defeat on the day that he came out of that tomb and he was resurrected became the greatest victory of all time. But also what it represents is the greatest exchange that we've ever known. To understand that he took all of our sin and sickness and death and everything and gave us life. He exchanged everything. Now we're talking about covenant. You think about your Bible. Um, We call it the Old Testament and the New Testament. But actually the word could be the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. In a covenant, when you enter into a covenant, you enter into your agreeing to exchange everything that you have. So you're exchanging everything that you have. If you're going to enter into covenant, you give, you say, I'm dedicating, giving it to you, and you get everything the other person has. Uh, marriage is a covenant. Marriage is not a legal deal, even though it's a legal, uh, you have to go get a legal license, but it's a covenant. When we're, what we've entered into with Christ is a covenant. So he takes everything that I've got, and I get everything that he's got. Oh, by the way, he doesn't have anything bad. And I don't have anything good. Hmm. That, that's an unbelievable exchange. I'm going to give him all of my bad to get all of his good. Is that unbelievable? That's what we're going to talk about, the exchange. See, the truth is we've, had an, we've received an inheritance. Um, if you get a natural inheritance, somebody's got to die. Well, we've received an inheritance because somebody did die. His name was Jesus, and he has died for us. This is Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. This is 2 Peter 1, verse 3. His divine power 
has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. It's Ephesians 1, verse 11. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, till we have received an inheritance. And again, Colossians 1, 12 says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. So we've received an inheritance. And again, what we're talking about here is the exchange. There is, if you can believe it, there's been this huge exchange. God's taken all of our bad and he's given us all of his good. So, I mean, what a what a, a amazing, phenomenal thing. This is Galatians 3, verse 26, 27, and 29. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you that were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So it's like, wait a minute, I, I'm an heir. Yeah, we're an heir. And what's happened is that again, because of the death of Jesus, we have received an inheritance. And so this is the position that we find ourselves in. We're, we don't put ourselves in that position. We find ourselves in a position to receive an inheritance because we're heirs of God. This is Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because your sons... God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ Jesus. So again, the, the, what Paul is trying to communicate to us here is that if you are in Christ, the Bible says you're a new creation. But what that means is, is you've been brought over, you're no longer a slave, but you're now a son. As a son in the family of God, we have received an inheritance that is because Jesus died for us at the cross. Well, what is that inheritance? Do you know what it is? Well, last will and testaments right here. You really want to know, you got to go spend time in the Word. But everything here contains everything that He has for us. He's recorded it, given it to us. So really the truth is, is that we have, there's nothing we haven't inherited. We have re received it all. It's amazing that he would not only call us sons and daughters, but he's given to us an inheritance. So the cross, make a shift here, the cross represents the most awesome and most understood and unfair exchange in human history. Jesus, the sinless lamb, took upon himself all of the sin and iniquity and wretchedness of everyone who had ever lived. Isn't that amazing? He took it all. He took all of what we had. He took our sin, took our sickness. He's taken our shame. He's taken our rejection. He's taken our pain. He even died our death. And, he, and we've been able to exchange it for what he has. Eternal life, forgiveness, righteousness, acceptance, healing, health, everything, all of it. This is Ephesians chapter 2. He made alive 
who, uh, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. Think about that. I was dead. Jesus initiated and gave me life. He made me alive. God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he's loved us. Again, we talked about the cross representing the love of the Father. I mean, he's not only got love, he's got great love toward us. He loved us. When we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. That in the ages to come, that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourself, it's a gift of God. Isn't that amazing? Now, this is Isaiah 53, and I want to encourage you, um, you need to become familiar with Isaiah 53. Isaiah is prophesying, there's more prophetic uh, things about Christ in Isaiah than probably any other book of the Old Testament. Isaiah is looking forward by the Spirit and seeing Jesus, uh, though he he probably doesn't even know for fully what he's saying here, but, he, but it's prophetic, and Jesus has fulfilled this. I want to begin reading in verse 3 of Isaiah 53. He is despised and rejected of men. Now, this is prophesying about Jesus. Man of sorrows, who's acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. If we esteemed him... He was stricken. He was smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Verse 10 of Isaiah 53. And it pleased the father to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When he made his soul an offering for sin, he made, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. All of this is about Jesus. But the point is, is that he was despised and he was rejected. Why? So we could be accepted. He understood pain and suffering and even sickness. He took it upon himself. And what's amazing about this passage is it's not about, you know, us doing something. It's about understanding that it was God's pleasure to do this and Jesus's pleasure to take all of this on himself. I, I just, I want to take just a moment and think about it for just a second. Wow. That's how much he loved you and me. He took my sin. He took your sin. He took my sickness. He took all of my shame. He took all of my rejection. He took all of my hurt and pain. He took it all. Everything I've got, he took. The question is, have you given him everything? The question is, have you really let go of all of the hurt and the pain and the disappointment and all of the stuff that we, we that the enemy wants us to hold on to, have you really exchanged it for what he has given to us? So I, it's really time to make exchange. Now, um, I think we're going to have on, on here these different exchanges, two different ways I want to present this. One of is looking at a cross, and I call it the exchange of the cross. On one side, I've got Jesus, and the other side, I've got you. So think about this for just a moment. Again, making the exchange. Have you allowed this exchange to happen in your life? Jesus was cut off by death so we could be joined to God. He was made sin 
and we've been made righteous. He was punished. We're forgiven. He took our shame so we could share in his glory. He was wounded so by his stripes we're healed. He became poor so we'd share in his abundance. He became a curse so we could receive the blessing. He died my death and your death so we could share his life. He was rejected so we could be accepted. Now, I think we can get this to you in a visual form so you can see it, but the point is, is to understand, picture this, like, a, like an accounting. You're taking all the negative stuff in your life, and because of the cross of what Jesus did, you can transfer it over to him, and you can take all the positive things that are in his life, and you can transfer them back to you. So you can take everything you've got is death and liability, and you can give it to him. And everything that he has is life and health and healing and deliverance. Now, I'm going to present this in another way. Uh, this is written, I've written this out for you. Number one is that we've been forgiven. Forgiven. Jesus was punished by the Father so that we could be forgiven. We are righteous with God because Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness. I keep sharing this in different ways because I want to try to make a, I'm making a point here. This is so profound. It's so amazing. It, it's like it's too good to be true. And it's like, you're right. I mean, it's just like, wow. I mean, this is amazing. We are completely accepted. Why? Because Jesus was rejected for us. We struggle with rejection. We struggle with the issue of how people see us. We struggle with the issue of shame. But see, he took our shame. He took our rejection. He was rejected for us. So I don't have to be rejected. I don't have to walk in shame. And, and I've struggled with that myself. But the reality is, is that I've got to learn how to, i got to keep giving it to God because I am completely accepted in the beloved. He took my rejection so I can be accepted. I don't have to do anything. It's not a performance thing. He said, you are my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter. In you, I'm well-pleased. Wow. He was cut off by death, but we get to be joined. We've been reconciled to him. He says that by his stripes, we're healed. So people will say, well, what is that? I don't know. Um, how about let's just believe it all. Spirit, soul, and body, every bit of it. Let's just believe it, that he heals all of us. This is an interesting one. He became poor through his share in his abundance. That's out of 2 Corinthians. But it has to do with money. I was like, wow, that's interesting. Um, we've been blessed because Jesus became a curse. And really, he died our death so we could share in life. The bottom line is we're a new creation. So that's talking about the exchange of the cross. And so I encourage you to spend time going back over this material, thinking about, have I given Jesus everything that I'm carrying so that I don't have to carry it any longer? You know, you think about everything that's going on in your life. Good, bad, and different doesn't matter. Give it all to Jesus and receive everything that he has that he gave his life for us to have. I make this statement uh, all the time. I don't want to get to heaven and find out that there are all these things I could have had that I didn't receive, I didn't believe, I didn't whatever. Um, I want everything that he paid for. He gave his life. The horrible death that he went through. It was a horrible punishment. It was not fake. 
It was not Hollywood. It was the real deal. He really suffered. He really died. And he was really raised from the dead to live forevermore. It's the power of the cross. Now, this session, I want to finish it talking about the, the one issue that we cannot get around, and that is everything is received by faith. You cannot, you, you can't earn this. You can't do good. It, you have to believe it. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those who come to God must believe that he is what? God. And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So without faith, we can't please God. Without faith, we can't access what Jesus has done for us. So it's not about works. It's about receiving and believing. Now, how does faith come? We've talked about this before. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But the fact is, is that we have to have faith. Romans 4, I'm not going to read this whole passage, but I encourage you to read it. Romans chapter 4, verses 13 through 25, <clears throat> Paul talks about the story of Abraham. We call Abraham the father of our faith. Why? Because of what he, what we read here. See, Abraham was 99 years old when God promised him a son. Uh, it said that while Abraham was, I mean, oh, Sarah never had a child. So obviously for all those years, there have been no children. And now it advanced in age, God says, you're going you're gonna to have a son. So what happened to Abraham? So through revelation of the Spirit, through Paul, we have recorded here what happened. So verse 17, it says that Abraham made this confession, that God gives life to the dead, and he calls things that don't exist as though they do. Now, these are two very important issues. Number one, Abraham somewhere had an understanding of being raised from the dead. And he had some understanding of God giving life to the dead. Uh, again, he was told to go sacrifice his only son later, Isaac. And uh, God provided a lamb. But the point is, is that Abraham believed that God is the life giver. He also believed that he calls things that don't exist as they do, which means that he is the creator. So Abraham believed two things. He believed, number one, if it existed and died, God could resurrect it. He also believed if it didn't exist, God could create it. Uh, you do understand that pretty well covers everything. If it existed and died, he can raise it from the dead. If it doesn't exist, he can create it. So he believed those two things. He confessed those. And then what he said, he, he said, okay, you're able to perform what you promised. I'm not going to look at the, the deadness of Sarah's womb. I'm not going to look at how old I am. I'm not going to look at the circumstances because when you look at the circumstances of life, they're always going to seem insurmountable. They're going to seem like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. They look horrible. And he, again, Abraham, think about this. Never had a child. He's advanced in age. Sarah's never, uh, never gotten pregnant. I mean, so you can look at the circumstances of life and you can look at your own life, and you typically will be overcome and overwhelmed by all the negative stuff. What Abraham did, he lifted his eyes. It says he gave glory to God, and he said, hey, God, you're able to perform what you promised. And God said, Abraham, that's all I've been looking for the whole time. That's all I've asked you to do is to recognize 
that I'm the one that's able to perform it. You're not. It's not, it's, in, it's me that's going to perform it. And that's what happened to Abraham. That, why this is so important to us is because I just went through a list of the things that happened at the cross. More than likely, as I go through that list, you probably got a number of those things that are on the wrong side of that cross. How do you get it to the other side? You got to believe the word of God. You've got to believe what Jesus did, that he took my sickness and that I'm healed by his stripes. And that's the battle. We still live in a world with sin and sickness and death. So we've got to believe God. And that's what Abraham's pattern here. He said, he made a confession. You're able to perform what you promised. You're able to create if it doesn't exist. Therefore, I'm not going to consider the facts. I'm going to look to you and give you glory and declare that you're able to perform what you promised. And God said, that's it, Abraham. That is the righteousness of faith, and that is how that we have to live also. He says, actually, he goes on to say that all these things were done for us, so for, for that we might also believe. So here are the problems. I, I tell people this all the time. They'll come up and they'll say, well, this is, what, this is the truth. Okay, it, it, uh, it's what we call truth, but the reality is it's not truth, it's the circumstances, and we might call them facts, that are happening now. Truth is a person and is everlasting. Truth never changes. Facts change. And I, I tell people, sometimes the facts don't get better. But truth doesn't change. So what we're dealing with here is, can I believe the truth of God's word, or I'm going to still live according to the, the facts that are going on in my life? And that's really what we're, we're faced with. So again, how, what happens here? Well, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The only way you're ever going to grow is that the only way you're ever going to become more Christ-like is you've got to spend time in the word of God and you've got to believe the word. The battle is over the word. The enemy wants to steal the word. He wants to do everything possible to try to get the word out of you, away from you. He doesn't want you to spend any time in the word because he knows that if you, if this word becomes flesh in you, it'll change your life. Now, I'm not talking about, again, performance. I'm talking about a reality that if we're going to grow we have to live by the Word of God. Uh, I mentioned it in the first or a previous session, but I'll say it again. And think about your hand. There's five things here that really we need to do. Number one, you need to hear the Word. Uh, that's what you're doing now. You're hearing me. You hear a preacher on the Internet or on the TV. You need to read the Word. If you, but if you want to grow, you're going to have to move to the next level, which is you got to learn how to study the Word. Now, there are plenty of apps out there that you can put on your phone or you put on your iPad or your computer that where you can look up the Greek and the Hebrew. You don't have to be a college scholar to be able to look up and really begin to do some studies for yourself. Do some word studies. Do some do some things. There's lots of commentaries that are online. Um, but start not just listening to what somebody else says, but you spend time yourself in the Word. Fourth thing here, this next finger represents memorizing the word. Uh, again, you need to store, you know, store that word away. How do you do that? Well, you begin to memorize it. You begin to read it. 
You begin to quote it. You begin to study it. And of course, the last one is meditation. Meditation, meditating on the word is not Eastern meditation where you empty yourself. Meditation is where you you think about the word over and over and over and over and over again. Second Corinthians 5, um, 17 says, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Wow, I'm in Christ. That means I'm a new creation. What does that mean, Lord? Well, it means all things have passed away and all things become new. Wow. So in you, I'm a new creation. I'm not patched up, fixed up, repaired. I'm not limping through life. I'm a completely new being in you. And isn't that amazing? Now, I'm still living in this world so that the old things are passing away and the new things are becoming new. So it seems like there's a process there. But I've got to start agreeing with the new. I've got to start reading my last will and testament so I know what that is. So it's through the word that we grow it's the only thing that's going to change. Um, you can go to church. You need to go to church. You can be involved in a small group. Probably need to be involved in some kind of a small group. You can do all the things that people tell you to do, but nothing can help you other than you spending time in the Word. So I just want to encourage you. There is this tremendous exchange that's happened. Jesus has paid with his life. This is past tense. He has given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. He wants us to walk in the fullness that he has. He didn't go to the cross and suffer that punishment, that pain, for us not to really embrace everything that he's done. Let's pray. Father, we love you and bless you, and we thank you for your amazing love that you demonstrated through the cross. I thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for going through the punishment, for taking my sin, dying my death. And I thank you that you're not dead, but you're the resurrected King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I thank you that your blood satisfied all the debts, all of the things that were against me. You've redeemed my life. And that, Lord, you have, because of your death, I've received an inheritance. Not only am I a child of God, but Lord, you, you, I get everything that you that you have. I give you everything I've got, and I, there's nothing good that I've got. But I receive everything that you have. So right now, as you're listening to this, <clears throat> why don't you make that exchange? You may never have really received life. Well, give him your death certificate and receive life. By grace, you've been saved. It's not by works. It's by the gift of God. So receive it. Say, Lord, I want to receive life. And say, I'll receive that gift of life. Exchange that death certificate for a life certificate. Exchange your sickness, your hurt, and your pain for his healing. Take that rejection, that shame, and say, Lord, I am so sick and tired of feeling this way and feeling rejected. I'm going to give it to you. You were rejected for me. And I want to receive your full acceptance that I would know you and your love forever. So make that exchange, whatever it may be. Lord, we thank you that you, you paid with your life so we could have life. We thank you for the exchange of the cross. We thank you, Lord, that you took everything that we have 
And Lord, we have nothing good to give. And Lord, you gave us everything that you had and you have nothing good to So Lord, I pray for every one of us, Lord, to help us to walk in the fullness of what you paid for at the cross. The cross is the key to abundant life, to living victoriously, to being everything that God has called you to be. So Lord, we love you, we bless you, we thank you, Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this timely message. Pastor Terry and Susan Moore had a life-changing encounter with the Lord in August of 1982. They opened their home to a Bible study, which turned into a church now located in Carrollton, Texas. They have never been the same and hope that you encounter Christ in a real way. For more, connect to jterrymore.org.